最酷的 show。Guests, we have been trying to book for so long, and she's finally here. We're、It's、so excited! So exciting! We heard about her from Lee. We heard about her amazing book, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, and we're so excited to have Sahara Rose on the、Yay. podcast. I'm so stoked to be here, guys! And thank you both of you, like separately, for finding me. So I meant know. To me. Sahara、yeah. put us on blast the minute she walked in. I'm Kidding! You didn't really put us on blast, but you were like, you guys both individually were emailing me to no, try to get me. No, it's like I am aligned to be here. Yes, yeah, it is、true. extremely aligned. And I want to say, I feel like listeners, you, like listeners, have requested you to be a guest on this show. So yes,、cool. here we are. Here we are, and Thanks, it's like、listeners. for people out there that are like Ayurveda. First of all, am I saying Ayurveda? Ayurveda. For those listening that are overwhelmed or confused or like what in the tarnation is Ayurveda, Sahara is here to demystify, to break down the concepts, to give us takeaways that we can use in our daily life. I mean, I'm just so excited right I now. I know because for me, Ayurveda is something I've always heard about. I remember like going for, as far back as when I was 15 and hearing that Madonna followed Ayurveda、mm. or like. Going just to different stores and hearing about it, and but still never fully knowing what it is. Fifteen years later, now that I'm thirty, so today is the day. <laughs> Today's the, the day. day, and you got my book in your lap.、Oh. <laughs> It's the first day of the rest of our lives, Esther.、Yes. And can we just paint a picture for our listeners,、mm-hmm. Sahara? You are quite glowing. Thank you. You don't see a you don't see the glow like this、mm-hmm. every damn day. No. As I said when, as I said earlier before we were recording, we've got a poor list. We've got a very poor list situation on our hands. I believe you said code poor list. This is a code poor list. It's an emergency. But seriously, I'm like, if you, if this is what makes you this glowy, I'm all in. Like, it'll it'll do it for、up. you. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I am actually really curious. How did you get started in Ayurveda and learning about Ayurveda? Yeah. So, well, thank you guys so much for your kind words, and I'm stoked to share this with your audience. And Ayurveda was also that thing that I had heard about, but didn't really know that much about. So, I'll start when I was a kid. I was really overweight growing up. I was like always like the chubby kid, and、um, because of that, I became really like addicted to junk food. Staying inside, I didn't want to like exercise. I didn't want to play with the other kids. My parents were both immigrants, so you know, my mom would pack me like rice and curries and stuff, and I would be so embarrassed to eat them that I would. Want to fit in, and I also didn't know English until like they just threw me in kindergarten. We're like, oh, she'll figure out English. So I, I don't look like anyone around me. I don't speak the language, and my mom's packing me this like smelly food, and the kids are laughing at me all the time. So I'm like, oh shit, what can I do to fit in? Okay, I don't look like them, don't sound like them, but I can eat like them, and that's how it started. I was like, okay, mom, from now on, I'm just eating Lunchables and drinking Kool Aid, and、oh. these these are my foods that I'll eat. And I literally remember drawing a list: the only foods I'll eat. Mac and cheese, like hamburger, chicken nuggets, like the most American foods I could think of. Oh my god! And you know, as soon as I started drinking the Kool Aid, like I got hooked, and I became addicted to high fructose corn syrup and sugar and all of these like chemicals in the food, and became overweight. And then eventually, I got really bad asthma, so I couldn't go outside without like. Having a complete asthma attack, so I couldn't play outside during recess, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And eventually, when I was in middle school, I was sick and tired of being overweight because it was like you know, at that point, you become self-conscious about how you look. So I remember reading through Cosmo magazine, and it was、mm-hmm. like Jennifer Aniston does hot yoga, and that's how she loses weight for her sh- for her movies and stuff. So I was like, hot yoga? I don't I don't know what that is, but I'm gonna go do it because she looks amazing. So I convinced my mom to drop me off at the local like hot yoga studio. No after way!、School. You were like thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, I was like twelve. Where Where were you living? In、yeah. Boston. So and again, this is like I don't know two thousand or two. 
I don't know. That is legendary. Yeah. So no one knows. No one's practicing yoga. Like this is not cool at all. Like the yoga studios are like hippy dippy, and I'm like wearing my like juicy couture jumpsuit. Like no idea what this to expect. Amazing. Yes, you were, girl. Yes, you <laughs> yes. were. So. I enter this hot yoga class and I see everyone's doing this like dance and they all know the choreography. I'm like, what is this choreography? How are they knowing it? And then it gets so hot and I'm just like sweating and sweating and I just start crying and no one sees I'm crying because I'm sweating so much and I'm just crying that I'm connecting to my body for the first time and not running away from it because what I've learned is like exercise is like PE and the guy's screaming at you on top of your ass. You know, the obstacle course or the one hour, uh, one minute mile, you know, the timed miles. Mm-hmm. Ugh, the worst. Yeah. So for the first time, I'm connecting with my body. And, you know, they say you hold trauma and tension in your body. And obviously, I did not know that was going on. But I, it was just such a deep emotional release for me. Wow. So from that, I made it my top secret mission to start practicing yoga. I didn't want to tell anyone at school because, like, how embarrassing is exercising when you're 12? It's so cool. <laughs> but, like, not at that time. So I start wow. practicing yoga. And as I start practicing, I'm like, I want to learn more about yoga. So I start reading books, Deepak Chopra, all of these amazing amazing thought leaders Osho etc Osho yes Big so right now. from yeah we can talk about that later I've stayed in his ashram um so what? yeah so Fuck. I start kind of going on this yogic path then when I was 15 I convinced my mom to let me like go volunteer in this prison and I was in this prison in Costa Rica and I was in Nicaragua I was in Vietnam I was in Thailand like literally living in slums volunteering and like learning about plants and like herbology and and plant foods and and how they are connected to the community and just helping them with that. So I've worked in rice fields, like literally anywhere you can imagine, I've probably been. So I go very, very deep into this traveling and volunteering path. And I think that what my goal is, is to become an international human rights lawyer. So I end up going to school for in D.C. So, yeah, I thought that that was my path. And then while I was there, I was like, I got really unhealthy because you're staying up all night and you're studying. And I realized I didn't want to work in a like a bureaucratic NGO where you're not connecting with the people. I knew I wanted to connect people. I wanted to help people. But I didn't know how because this dream I had, you know, suddenly was gone. So I became really depressed. And then when I was depressed, I ended up transferring schools, moving back to Boston. I graduated from BU. And then in that, I started to learn about positive psychology and food. So I start a blog just for fun called Eat Feel Fresh. And in that blog, I would share about like nutrition and positive psychology and how foods are related to like how you feel Mm. just for my own sake. And again, it was really weird. This is like eight years ago that I started blogging. So it wasn't cool. And from this experience, I eventually became a raw vegan because from my research, I felt like being a raw vegan was like the healthiest way you could eat, right? Because it's like you don't cook anything. It has so many enzymes, et cetera. So I become a raw vegan. I'm really happy until eight months later. And I notice like I'm fainting all the time. And my hair is like I'd brush my hair and it's like coming out by the handfuls. And like like people weren't coming up to me like you you look glowing they were more like are you okay like you look sick and you know at first and i had lost like 30 pounds i was like 88 pounds and i'm i'm not like that short that it it didn't look normal but in my mind i was like well i'm eating a raw vegan diet and i was eating a lot of foods but i wasn't digesting them Mm. so at this time i was volunteering in india teaching health and sanitation in the slums of delhi and i decided to visit an ayurvedic doctor while i was there just to see what they had to say and i had heard of ayurveda like you esther but i didn't think it was serious i thought it was like kind of this like woo woo thing and i felt like it was more focused on um, massages and stuff like that. I didn't really know it was like a diet. So I decided to go to this doctor. The moment she sees me, she knows everything about me for the fact that I didn't have my period for two years. The fact that I had super bad insomnia, wouldn't sleep at night, like all of these things that I would never open up about. And she just knew. So I was like, okay, this is like psychic witch doctor. What is this? So I was like, okay, what what do I do? And she basically said that I can't eat any raw foods anymore mm. and I have to eat all cooked foods and mm. I have to have like a lot of ghee and dairy mm. and all these things. And I'm like a hardcore vegan at this time. So there's no way I'm going to eat ghee and 
rice and beans. And I was also really scared that it would make me become overweight again. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was like, oh, that's cool. But I can't really follow anything that you have to say because it probably won't work for me. And in this time, I tried so many different kinds of diets like, you know, macrobiotic diet, paleo diet, keto diet, SIBO diet, everything and nothing was working. And then finally, I came back to Ayurveda, but decided I would modernize it and make it work for me. So instead of ghee, I would do like coconut oil. Instead of rice, I do quinoa. I was just coming up with ways to like make it work for today's world. And I also knew that when I left India, I wouldn't be able to like make all these things from scratch and get all of these like spices and herbs that are not available in the U.S. So I signed up for an Ayurvedic school. I studied Ayurvedic um, digestion, nutrition, and cooking for two years in India. Oh, my God. Yeah. Will you just start a cult right now and let me be the <laughs> vice president? Please. I'll just be a lowly, sir. I'll clean the toilet. Fine. Me too. No, I'll clean the toilet. <laughs> I'm... I can't. I just, cannot deal with your story. Can we just like take a break to comment on the I fact can't. that I've never met anyone like you? I can't. Take your story is unreal. Who goes and volunteers <laughs> at fifteen in in rice fields and like educating? <laughs> wait, and volunteered in prison. Like everything you said has been crazier than the last. I've never, <laughs> ever, ever heard of anyone like you. Oh, thank you. You need to. Bitch, you gotta go into politics or something. Like I, I gotta know, vote everyone for you. Says I gotta... that, but I'm like, no. I so don't want to like be involved in the political sphere. That's not sphere. quite it, but like, I, I know, just need like, to. It's a cult. She needs to start. A you cult. need to start a cult. Like it's really <laughs> urgent. I, I'm actually. telling you, I know right away what it is. It's a cult. <laughs> I I am speechless. I've never just experienced this in my life. Please keep speaking, cult leader. Sorry, please go, please go on, our queen. Um. Okay, so. I decided that I would modernize Ayurveda and make it work for today's world. So I started to make it more plant-based and I started to question everything in Ayurveda too because a lot of the things like the Ayurveda teacher would tell me, I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't... Oh, and at this time I had also studied sports nutrition and done IIN, like holistic health coaching. So I had like now a really good background in nutrition and then was learning Ayurveda. Hmm. So I like a lot of the things did not make sense. Like, for example... No mushrooms are allowed in Ayurveda. I'm like, what? Mushrooms are super healthy and there's medicinal mushrooms. Like, why aren't they allowed? Or you can't eat any raw foods at all. And I'm like, I don't get it because in Costa Rica, they're eating raw foods all the time. And just I'm not someone who will blankly take something that someone says. I'm always questioning it. So through this research, I learned so many of the things were brought in either from the British rule or Mm. just from like misinterpretation. So the mushroom thing, the reason why mushrooms aren't allowed in Ayurveda is because when the British came in, they saw there were a lot of psychedelic mushrooms growing in India. So they obviously did not want people to have psychedelic mushrooms because it could like open up their minds and they'd protest. Right. You know? Yeah. Or like, for example, the the whole salad thing, it's because in India, there's so much bacteria in the soil. Like the first thing when you go to India, they're like, don't eat raw foods, eat always cooked foods. So the reason why there's no salads allowed is because you literally might become sick. And even some parts of wow. India, they still eat like raw foods, but it's more like cucumbers and tomatoes. It's not really like greens. Like as a raw vegan in India, they used to call me the cow. Um because like only cows eat raw greens and they had never seen like a human do that before. Yeah. So I start questioning everything it everything in it and I start like naturally just wanting to write about it on my blog, but it was too much information. So I started to write a book about it. Again, I had never met anyone who had a book before. Like I've always liked to write, but I thought I wouldn't be able to make money that way. It was more just a passion. Again, my parents were very like, you be a doctor, like not into an alternative path. How could your parents not be in your cult by this point? Like all that you would accomplish? No, like I could do a whole podcast episode about like the the back and forth with my parents, but it's really made me so strong. So they were like super not about this at all. Um, So I had never met anyone that had written a book before, but I decided I would just start writing one. So I started to just write down this like modernized Ayurvedic, making it for today's world, super relatable. And Soon it became 100 pages, 500 pages, 1,000 pages, 2,000 pages of material that I had written. And I'm like, okay, this is like too much to be a self-published book that I just like throw on my website for my like 100 subscribers, you know? So I was like, I really want, I'm envisioning this to be a book that's in Barnes and Nobles on bookshelves. And everyone's like, you're crazy. Like no one knows what Ayurveda is, let alone like you. You're like 23 years old. Like, no, it's not going to happen. But I, I really like held true to this vision something 
deeper within me was like, girl, you need to do this. So it took me a year basically that I had to pay people on my own to edit it, to graphic design it, to do everything. I had a finished project. Eventually, I found a literary agent. The literary agent said that she would represent the book. So I was like, yes. It got rejected by 30 different publishers. No one, they said the same thing. Ayurveda, you're too young. Publishing is dying. We only want people who already have books out. So it was like, you know, everyone's like, you gave it a try, but no. She gets a call like two days after this from Penguin Random House, which is like the world's largest publisher. And they're like, we're looking for someone to write the Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, like the official Idiot's Guide series. Do you happen to know anyone? She's like, oh, well, I just, you know, signed this Ayurveda writer if you want. They're like, yeah, the thing is you have six months to write it. We actually already had someone. And four months in, she realized how much work it was. So she quit. So this person would need to write it start to finish in two months. And like, you can't go back and edit it. She just needs to totally turn in an edited project. She was like, "Um, okay, I'll see if it's a fit for my client. So they were like, okay, what table of contents would you put in this book if, if you were to write it? You have a week to do it. And that day, I literally just channeled source. I wrote the whole table of contents and I sent it back. They were like, okay, um, if you were to write the first chapter, you have a week. How would you write it? That same day, I wrote the whole first chapter of the book and I turned it in. They're like, okay. And then they kind of like looked and they were like, okay, we'll give it a try. You're hired to write the book. But you should run the the fucking publishing house. (laughs) Well, it was interesting. At first, I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. But then they were like, you can't have a single sentence the same way as the first book you had written because of copyright stuff. But you never published that. Because I had still I still wanted to publish it. So imagine explaining like the doshas in like two totally different ways about repeating yourself. So I was like, oh my God. So that made me get even deeper into really learning Ayurveda to be able to explain it in such a like simplistic way that it can make sense to anyone. So I ended up writing and editing that entire book, like 400 page book in two months. That book's the number one best-selling Ayurveda book in the world right now. Yeah, damn straight it is. It's an amazing book. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. This is crazy. (laughs) So this is an official idiot's guide. Yeah. So because when you told me that you knew the person who wrote the idiot's guide to Ayurveda, I was like, oh, it's probably like an, she just stole that title idiot's guide no it's an official idiot's guide i can't believe the story that you ended up writing this and as the most qualified person to write i know i'm like they lucked out so hard by finding you it's the best-selling idiot's guide ever i believe from all of the categories this is the best-selling book it's so like this book is amazing but you they i just they are so lucky that they got you they never would have done it well for people who want to write books i'm sure a lot of your listeners want to write books it's really all about you and how like people want to read this book because I'm going out there and promoting it and sharing it so I feel like a lot of people think oh if I just get the book deal like everything will be solved no the publisher is going to look at you like so how are you going to sell this book like it is 100% on you so you have to have like a hustle mentality truly and be willing to devour every part of yourself to promoting the book or else it won't grow its own legs so they don't actually they don't do anything the the PR is 100% on the author, and this is a that's universal so, thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. What I could do another even, one, The Secrets of Publishing. It's the it's point of writing up. a book. Yeah. What's It's the, no, more what's, of a credibility builder because yes. it's like if you had written a book on something, you're obviously like the expert on the topic. So let's say, for example, I have programs and I do all these different things, which are people find me from the book. And then you have to come up with your own ways to basically monetize it and live your life. A book is not going to pay you much. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Girl, I am speechless. I am too. Your story is like needs to be told. I'm so happy that you came on our podcast. And I'm so happy I got to hear your story. Can I buy I, the rights to your life? <laughs> I know, seriously. And I'm ser- and we're serious about that call. Like you just let us know when that started and okay. yeah. we're first in line. <laughs> the forward is by Deepak Chopra. <laughs> yeah, that's like a the, whole other story. <laughs> is there another idiot's guide that has a forward no. by Deepak Chopra? I didn't think so. Is there an idiot's guide for how to be just how to be you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously, girl, we had to start when we were twelve. Doing hot yoga when you're twelve. I mean, that's that's where we made our first mistake. I know, I know. I can pinpoint the moment where it all went wrong right there. This is amazing, and I'm so excited to like get into it and like hear you describe in person the different the different batas. And I'm just so excited because it's like I've read your book. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's so so easy to understand, but it's so in depth. It's really great. If you're at all 
interested in learning about Ayurveda, Ayurveda, look into this book. It's really, it's a, it's a masterpiece. I'll say it. Oh, thank I, you. I don't even want to ask you questions. I just want you to like keep going. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Do you want to talk about what I, they might still be like, wait, but what is Ayurveda? I think we should. Yeah, I yeah. think we should. I think that's a very good idea. Okay. So Ayurveda, the word Ayurveda means knowledge of life and it's the world's oldest health system, but it's not just a health system. It's a mind body balancing system. And it's the sister science of yoga. So I'm sure Everyone listening has practiced yoga before, gone to a yoga class. In fact, nine out of ten Americans has tried yoga at some point. That's which amazing. Is, which is crazy. It's the it's the biggest fitness trend that has ever happened in the U.S. But what they don't realize is they're not actually practicing yoga most of the time. Mm. So the practice of yoga means the word yoga means to yoke. It means to become one with Brahma, which means universal source consciousness. So basically, it's a spiritual practice. Like if you ever felt in Shavasana where you kind of like leave your body or if you've ever meditated, if you feel really like still at a certain point, that those moments are yoga. So yoga is a spiritual practice. Now, Ayurveda is the predecessor and it says, OK, well, when you have really bad anxiety and your back hurts and your digestion's out of whack and your left toe is you know inflamed, how are you going to become one with source? Right. You need to fix these mental and physical issues so you can practice yoga. So if you're going to a yoga class to get more fit or to get more flexible or for your anxiety or depression, you're actually practicing Ayurveda. Hmm. So everyone listening is already practicing Ayurveda. Ooh. Oh, thank God. Yes, uh-huh. so you're, you already got it. <laughs> okay, I'm, my foot's in the door. Yes. <laughs> Can't be that hard from here on out. <sighs> so wow. the premise of Ayurveda <laughs> is, um, is that we are all unique bio-individuals. So we're all different. You know, if you ever noticed, like, maybe you, Esther, can eat totally different foods than you can. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast. Right. And it's so different. You see your friend eats, like, pizza. You're like, oh, my God, it gets so fat. And one person's paleo, and they're killing it. And it's like, what? How come? That was my thing. I was like, how come no one's explained this to us before? Right. It's all like, now we're doing these smoothies. Now we're doing this cauliflower bowl but it's like maybe both these things don't work for me Mm -hmm. so that was like my obsession of trying to understand which is why I got into Ayurveda yeah so according to Ayurveda there's three main doshas the word dosha means energy so these three main doshas are vata pitta and kapha oh my god I've already been confusing the phrases this whole podcast (laughs) you know what we are already we can, I'll figure it out just by asking you some questions. So vata, pitta, and kapha. So vata, I like to think of it like the wind dosha. It has all of the qualities of the wind. So what is the wind like? Like, what does it feel like on your body? Cool. Cool. <laughs> Refreshing. Refreshing. It's powerful. It's dry. It can mm-hmm. be powerful. It's erratic. You can never predict which way the wind is going to go. So these are all the qualities of vata. Now, pitta is fiery. So like, if I was like, oh, I know this really fiery person, what are they like? They're passionate and chatty. loud and chatty. And they're just like the leader of the pack and they're the life of the party. Exactly. So that's Pitta. Now, if I said I know this really earthy person, earthy is Kapha. What is an earthy person like? Grounded. Mm. They're um, like kind, I feel like, and like a good listener. Not stressed out. Perfect. You you nailed it. You nailed the doshas. So Vata. Oh, look at yeah. us. Oops. <laughs> Oops. So we'll now we'll get a little bit more into it. So Vata, it's actually air and space energy. The reason why I like to call it the wind is because it has wind like qualities. It's just easier to think wind than air and space, but that's formally what it is. So if you think of like what is an airy person like? If I was like, Oh, I'm dating this guy, but he's super airy. He's stupid stupid maybe he's like um forgetful or forgetful like, like um he didn't know that he should pay for the lunch special at the chinese restaurant <laughs> right he's kind of like head in the clouds exactly he's like not concerned with like he's like esoteric and heady so you've said to head in the clouds literally literally air and space your head is in the clouds like a space head an air head vata mm. like Forget if there's a lot of clouds moving through your head, you're going to be forgetful. You may like lose your keys everywhere. You may be talking and totally forget what you're going to say. So that's vata, but that's more of like the shadow side, the negative side. But on the good side, if you have a lot of vata in your mind, you're really creative because you have a lot of ideas coming through. You're maybe artistic. You're visionary. Like people are like running around living life, and you're like the bird up here who's like, oh, maybe you should do this and that. You're sort of like, like the projector in human design. They'd call it projector. So. 
they oftentimes are very like esoteric. They can be very spiritually connected. They can be super just seeing things that other people cannot, but they can also get manic, anxious, unable to sleep because there's so many thoughts in their mind that they're not able to control. And if you don't ground it down, you end up, you know, being run by your thoughts. So I like to think of Steve Jobs. He's a really good example of like a famous Vata. So we could see he created like the iPhone and changed history of time. But we have seen his movies and we knew he's he's eccentric and really like up and down and was not the easiest person to work with. And you can also see in his body, he has a lot of Vata qualities. So Vata people, they tend to have now this is if you are born, you can I'll talk about this more, but you can be born a certain dosha and your dosha changes with time. Mm. Okay. So if you're born very vata, you'll have like a long face. You'll naturally be thin, maybe lanky. Mm -hmm. You'll have sort of like the marathon runner's body or the ballerina's body. They tend to be able to hate these people. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, Uh you actually do look vata. Yeah. But, oh my God! <laughs> Caroline, I've left you behind. <laughs> so in Vata's, the podcast they, is yours. Okay, all right, Esther, perfect. So in Vata's, like they put on muscle really easily, right? No, 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 no. They no. don't. Okay. They actually have a really hard time putting on muscle. Oh. They tend Caroline, to be more like. Don't try. I don't. Yeah. I tried. I learned my lesson. They, they Thanks, tend guys. to be more um, scrawny. Oh. Now, when your Vata's out of balance, and this can happen to anyone, and I'll talk about what makes them out of balance. But you know, you have a Vata imbalance if you have air-like qualities in your body so if i have a lot of air in my stomach what what does that look like you're bloated, bloated. And gassy. you're bloated gassy constipated you know mm. constipation is dry cold colon so yeah these were all of the problems i had it was like when i read about vata i'm like this is just my autobiography right here wow. like all, this is what brought me to ayurveda whereas now that it's not out of balance so it can change people do you think that all of the time steve jobs saved by not shitting that's how he made the iphone maybe maybe <laughs> he was also you know he was also raw vegan that's why it's called apple so you could see it's really lots of people are drawn he, to the like, things go on like crazy fasts too a lot of fasts because vatas love feeling airy and light so anything that makes them feel that way they become addicted to like i used to do so many fasts i'd be like i'm on a coconut water fast and this and that because you just want to feel like oh i'm leaving my body i have so much energy but really it's like not being grounded and not being present you know those people you talk to and you feel like they're not fully there that's vata it's like they're floating away LA has a lot of Vata people. A lot of the, like, especially in the spiritual community, it's so like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the next Oprah. I'm going to do this. It's like, what the, can I swear? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck have you done? Like, it's so, you know, if you have, if you're very Vata, it's all about the ideas, but you don't actually ground any of them and do it. A lot of big talk, not a lot of motivation to put those plans into action. Right. And it can be like, you know, and I used to I used to 100% be like this, but I had a new idea of what I wanted to do with my career like every day. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an author. No, now I'm going to start a skincare line. Now I'm going to do this. And it's like you keep changing because you don't have that grounding. Mm. So this is, again, the shadow side of Vata, but again, really creative, eccentric, and amazing people also. And again, we all have some elements of Vata in us. Some of us are born with more and others are born with less. So they also have cold um, hands and feet, dry skin, that dry hair. Disaster. So, yeah, you're for sure a Vata. And also just from your features, I can tell. Like, you have very delicate features. <laughs> she does. She yeah. does. And, like, from your hands and the shapes of your wrists. I can tell, basically. So you're uh, Vata. Really? <laughs> Congratulations. Like, how do you – just based on my body – Based on your features, the, Just look the at you, tone Esther. of your voice, <laughs> and and the fact that you have all of these qualities, but there's the so, in the book of my voice. Yeah, in the book, I explain like all of the ways that you can see if you're one of the doshas. And again, it doesn't mean that. Everyone is only one dosha. You're just super vata, but some people are like vata pitta, pitta kapha, etc. Do you think I'm a cusp, or do you think I'm straight? No, you're you're vata. Oh, yeah. Damn, girl. This is a huge day for me. I know. Why, why does it feel so good to be categorized in any way? Like, in <laughs> general, love human it. Left. We love it. I love yeah. hearing more about my astrological sign. I love being put into any kind of box and hearing any qualities that could pertain to me. It's, like, so – makes me horny. I, like, can't – I can get enough. Well, not to be the Grinch, but I am – I will say I do not like ast- astrology stuff. Mm, that is such a Vata thing to say, oh. honestly. <laughs> vata, Vata, Vata. Vatas are like, I'm already intuitive. I don't need astrology. <laughs> uh, 
she would say that. Wait, I quick question. What is the point of knowing what your dosha is? So it's going to tell you all the foods you should eat, all the daily practices you should do, meditation, yes! yoga poses, everything. Because what you need, so what vatas need is more grounding. Their energy is so up here. Like vatas talk really fast. I have a lot of vata in my mind too. So I can spot a vata when I see one. And sometimes you're going so fast that you're just like, whoa, like slow down. So for vatas, you need to mentally focus on like grounding. like. And for vatas, it's really hard because they don't like to sit still. So maybe that will look like a walking meditation for you. She likes to walk. She <gasps> loves yeah. walking. And I can't meditate. She right. loves walking. I, I also don't like seated meditations either. So I went to a, a, this dance meditation today, which was cool. <laughs> oh, my God. We're <laughs> Caroline and I are crying. Did you want to go to a dance meditation? No, but like I just... I <laughs> just makes so much sense. Like, it just is contextualizing the whole I podcast. <laughs> I like I can't sit still in my mind. Like I can't turn thoughts off. And whenever people talk about meditating, it kind of almost frustrates me so to an extreme amount because I'm like, I can't. I am not capable of shutting the brain down. It just doesn't happen. It, it can happen. No, it can happen. But for you, it will look differently. You mm -hmm. know, for like a pitta person, they're like, meditate, game on. Like, they'll just do it. Like, Lee is super pitta. <sighs> Whereas for Avanta, it's like you kind of have to have your physical body moving and doing something so you're not distracted. Mm -hmm. So you're just focusing on like taking the steps or doing the dance moves or, or knitting or cooking or something. And that can be your form of meditation. It doesn't have to look like – and also – this is a whole other topic, but seated meditations were meant for men. They're very masculine in nature. To sit in stillness is a quality of Shiva. Shiva is the masculine and Shakti is the feminine. And the feminine is always moving and flowing, which is why in India, women were never taught meditation. Mm. For them, meditation was gathering and dancing and chanting and all of these oh things. God. That was meditation. Everything makes sense. So we just have all these male teachers oh, who've come in, taught, teach us what works for them. And then they expect all of us to do it. And they're like, hey, you don't understand our feminine nature. We don't don't want to sit in stillness like we don't feel good doing that i got in the last few months i was like you know what i think petting my dog is meditating like totally. i've just been trying to just tell myself you know what esther just settle for these things that these will be your own meditation exactly 100 i love that you are like coming to that conclusion yourself what are some like food do's and don'ts for, for vata. vatas so vatas need a lot of grounding food so think like root vegetables because they're literally grown under the ground so like sweet potatoes and ginger and turmeric and beets and things like that mm. avoid salads i know she that salads oh you hate no. salads? Do you hate salads i don't hate salads but i like do I, like a warming salad, like with like grains and like roasted vegetables i just don't understand it to me in my head greens a, a very green salad that's the healthiest thing you can eat yeah what? that's what we've been taught and that's what led to my severe bot imbalance and oh and when I was there I also was in perimenopause so this is what happens when your vata is out of balance perimenopause my body shut down I had no hormones in my body literally oh. zero at risk of Alzheimer's because my brain was not getting like nutrients what caused this and osteoporosis because I was vegan. a vata imbalance for so long. Some people can be raw vegan. It works for them because they're pitta. Whereas for vatas, for sure not. I'm So I am vegan. So you can be a vegan, but like my next book is a vegan Ayurveda book. So you can be vegan, but you need warming food. So for you getting like a bowl with like, I call them six taste bowls, including the six tastes mm. of Ayurveda, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent, which I, I don't know if we'll have enough time to discuss that, but if we have time, <laughs> I'll talk about that. But bowls, cooked foods, let's say you want to do a salad, at least have a soup with it and put the greens in the soup. You're always cold. It's true. Yeah. If you're always cold, it's like what happens when your vata is out of balance, your body is basically drying up. And if you're not getting the nourishment that it needs, it's going to lead to, I don't know if you have back pain, skeletal issues. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just the Ayurvedic psychic right here? I have it's a so pinched cool. nerve in my neck. Yeah, because so you're cold and dry. Vata. Yeah. That's a sign of the vata imbalance. So it's going to get worse and worse. Like what about until like tea? Like if she has yeah, like a tea. cold sushi because she has like tea with it or something? <laughs> we have sushi plants. <laughs> I mean, if you get sushi, get like, it's called otihashi. It's like the Japanese steamed greens with like a sesame sauce. They have that at almost every Japanese vegetables. Get stuff from the Robata grill that's like grilled vegetables. Oh, and no. if you want to do fish, favor cooked fish instead of raw fish. Ooh. I know, but it's, it's going to be way better for, well, you're a vegan anyways, so. That part's okay. But in general. Yeah. yeah. It's good to know. And I'm open. I am vegan, but I'm like 
here and there I'll have like a little fish. She's fish flexible. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way for sure. So, yeah, you just want to... You want to avoid anything that's going to make you more cold. So salads and then smoothies, like especially smoothies that have frozen stuff in them. Like that's what I was doing every day. I would wake up and the first thing I would do is put the frozen blueberries, frozen banana, frozen this, frozen that. Blend it up. It's like what I did every day the last two weeks. Right. And that's the worst (laughs) thing for everyone. (laughs) That's the worst thing for everyone, but especially for Vata's. And the reason why. (laughs) The dark side of learning all this stuff. Everything you're doing is wrong. No. No. Um, The reason why they're not good for anyone, but especially Vata's, is because in Ayurveda, your digestion is called an Agni. And Agni literally means fire. So if you think about it like a campfire, like let's say we all had a campfire. We went to bed at night. And the next day, the fire is like, you know, sort of embers or are burning, but it's not really burning. Imagine if I just poured a bunch of ice on that fire. What's going to happen? Um, it goes out. It's going to go out. So mm, that's tasty. basically what She's having. Like, a tough one so if your Caroline. digestion. <laughs> Back up. Big pieces of ice or small pieces of ice? I was like just Crushed. trying to picture it too much. Yeah. So if your digestion is a fire, you're waking up over your fast, you know, overnight you're fasting yeah. and your digestion is barely going and then you're putting ice in it. Mm. In Ayurveda, it's not you are what you eat, but you are what you digest. So mm. first thing in the morning, you're basically putting your digestive system on overdrive. And it's not that your body can't cope with it. Your body can, but it takes up so much energy that it's going to take away from the energy used to heal your body, which is why you start experiencing all these aches and pains and eventually your menstrual cycle shuts off and your hair starts falling out. And, you know, I tell this to people because the health foods that we are taught in like magazines and blogs are all Vata increasing foods. Why? Because the average American is a very overweight kapha. So if you're really kapha and you're like, super overweight and you eat more salads and smoothies, though it should never be iced, that's going to make you more light. But what happens is I see so many of the most health conscious people have vata imbalances because they're like doing the right thing, doing another green juice, doing the next sweet greens, and they're never eating warm foods. Like for listeners, like actually question, when's the last time you ate something warm? Warm's good. Yeah. Like I I realized that I would not eat warm foods at all. Even if I ate something cooked, I would just eat it out of the fridge because it was just a hassle. And if you think about it, like if you take your temperature, your internal body is, you know, what? 98 motherfucking degrees. Right. Like the best boy band ever. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Which <laughs> so leads me to my next question. Well, let me finish that. So your, your temperature is 98 degrees. Frozen food is thir- at least 32 degrees. So let's say 30 mm. degrees. That's a 70 degree difference. Think about how much energy your body has to produce Ugh. to increase foods 70 degrees. So oh, instead, if you want to do a smoothie, at least do room temperature or grounding vegetables. You just want to avoid frozen stuff for everyone. What if... Oh, God. Oh, my God. We have a lot of doshas to get to. Wait. The, what we need to... What What about coffee? Like Coffee's a, oh, not well, recommended for vatas because they get really anxious. Yeah, that's true. And then you get like, like kind of like shaky because vata controls the nervous system. What if mm. I naturally like just don't have energy and I can't function at work? So I need coffee to like operate as though I'm a person. Normal. So I think of Fair question. I think of imagine if you have like and this is like everyone has this problem. Imagine if you have like an oil tank in your car and you have like a certain amount of like extra reserves for like emergencies. So coffee is basically what it's doing is taking away from your energy reserves, your what is needed for like special occasions which are illness like really bad sickness and it's taking from it so you can show up you know better at work that day but actually what you're doing is draining from your like storage pack and then over time that's why people end up with adrenal fatigue and like breaking down and getting super sick so coffee is not recommended for anyone if anyone were to have it the best are kaffas which we'll get to because they're super stagnant and like tend to be overweight so coffee can at least get them going whereas for vatas and for pittas for vatas it makes them really anxious and it makes you more dry it seeps calcium out of your bones which you already have low and then for pittas it just makes them really like angry and on edge okay Two questions and then we can. But <laughs> no, this is like crazy. The first question is, what then? What can I do for energy? And the second question is, what should I eat for breakfast? Yeah. So I mean, the yeah. real question of why you don't have energy is because you're not digesting food. 
Okay. Because if you are digesting food, you're naturally going to have energy. The fa- the truth of the matter is a lot of us are eating foods and we're not digesting them. And a lot of us are nutritionally deficient mm. because of that. So if you're eating like all of these like cold foods and foods that your body can't digest, no wonder you don't have energy. So the first thing would be eating foods that your body can digest. And at the beginning, that may be super, super simple foods, like literally like blended soups. Like in Ayurveda, they do something called kitchri. I have a kitchri cleanse that's like a plant-based one and I can send it to you. It's on my website also but it's basically like quinoa mung beans mung beans are the most easy to digest beans a lot of people like can't eat beans and it hurts their stomach mung beans no problem with um different like ginger turmeric spices like that and i recommend putting in kombu which is a japanese sea vegetable which basically coats your food in digestive enzymes i recommend like literally just starting with that super soupy foods really nourishing that take no energy expenditure so your body can build up some of its energy and start to heal itself better you're going to notice some of your energy is coming back and then you can start to introduce more like crunchy foods raw foods etc but at the beginning super just warm and mushy if I'm a person that doesn't really cook for myself, I'm not at that level, can I just do like canned Amy's soups and like heat them up? Is that okay? I wouldn't recommend Amy's because it's super high in sodium. Okay. So I would look at, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure there are. Taking a lot of L's today. No. Um, I'm sure there are different, like, you know, the thing with canned, in Ayurveda, we want to avoid anything that's canned because food has prana in it. Have you heard of the word prana before? Um, I don't, I don't even know anymore. (laughs) I don't know. So prana is basically (laughs) life force. Mm. So when you pick something off a tree, it has energy in it. It has life. But when you've treated that, you've put it in a can that's going to be good for the next year. There's no life in that. You're eating dead food. And when you're eating dead food, there's no enzymes for your body to break down. So if you want to have good skin, number one thing is don't eat anything canned. Don't eat anything processed. If that food has been picked off a tree more than a week ago don't eat it and and i know it sounds super hard but like nowadays there are so many like organic in la at least organic supermarkets and stuff that you can buy things but i recommend once a week just roast a bunch of vegetables have them in your fridge and then you can blend them together if you want you can eat them as you as you wish you can have different I have a bunch of recipes in this book, too. Mm -hmm. You can follow these recipes. If you have, like, a crock pot, you can just throw in a bunch of vegetables, like, go to work and come back and have that. But getting in the habit, and it doesn't have to be, like, gourmet cooking, literally just putting things in a pot. That's all Mm -hmm. it takes. And then if someone doesn't want to do that, there are organic options out there. There's, like, organic food delivery companies. Like, one is called Splendid Spoon, and they're an Ayurvedic delivery company. There there are options out there that are obviously pricier than making it yourself. But, yeah, no one really should be eating canned. And then for breakfast, I recommend for vatas, like, a really easy one is do you like sweet potatoes? Mm -hmm. Roast a bunch of sweet potatoes. And then – in the morning, just have the sweet potato. It's okay if that if you don't have to warm it up. You could if you extra want to be like very good, but you don't need to. Um, with some like sunflower seed butter, I mm. recommend sunflower seed over almonds because it's less like hypoallergic. Mm. With like cinnamon on top, maybe some ginger powder on top, and you can just have that. Okay, mm, that sounds really good. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, it's really yum. Well, Esther, we Esther has a lot to process. I'm just like <laughs> I am a little bit freaking out, but I'm trying not to. I'm trying to just like take it in and know that small steps work. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, in did. the book, I have like a it's like twelve weeks, like what to do each week to implement an Ayurveda lifestyle. Question about the book because I know you said that you when you discovered Ayurveda, you questioned it and kind of made it your own. Yeah, is this book your own version or is this book? the like traditional version yeah good question so all of the recipes in there are plant-based i decided to not use like d ghee and dairy and stuff but Mm. since i was reporting on the subject i had to be accurate to how it Mm -hmm. is but i'm very open like on my social media and stuff about the things that like i wouldn't necessarily do like for like i didn't put any recipes with mushrooms on there because that's like a big no-no but in my upcoming book eat feel fresh it's it's like a modernized version of ayurveda i call it alkaline ayurveda mm. and like including more alkalizing mm. food because back in the day there weren't all these like chemicals mm. and pesticides and they didn't have to worry about it whereas today like our soil is just not the same so we need to make extra effort to eat more alkalizing foods now I'm firstly my I'm spinning over the fact that like a green salad is not what I should eat. Well, you can't. Well, if for has, you honestly at this point I wouldn't just eat a green salad. I would cook it. Just like put it 
like put some olive oil on your um, frying pan and just heat it up. I just hate I hate cooked greens so much. <gasps> really? Yeah, so like that means you spinach. definitely have a vata imbalance because we crave. Okay, so think of it like oh a pendulum God. swinging in two directions. A body in balance further craves the foods that bring it in balance. A body out of balance further craves the foods that knock it off balance. So when you're out of balance, your body is so used to operating on this like really vata edgy edgy high yeah. that it wants the dry foods, the crunchy foods. You probably like popcorn and just cr- crunchy oh my stuff. God. Yeah, because <laughs> your vata is out of balance. And you probably are like, oh, mushy, warm foods, disgusting. But that's actually what your body needs. So you just have to shift the pendulum the other direction. And, you know, it's like people who are unhealthy are like, how can people go without eating donuts every morning? But once you just stop eating the donut, you stop craving it. So when you just at first, it's going to be sheer willpower. But I I guarantee you it's going to take seven days max and you're not going to crave it anymore. The popcorn was probably the biggest hit. Yeah, you anything that's diagnosed dr- me, I'm, I'm a kafa. <laughs> I'm just realizing now. I just, now, I just found out. I just remember. You really don't different. like cooked greens. Like I, I love, I love cooked, cooked greens. greens. Yeah. Just like it's so easy too. You just put kale like in a pan with some olive oil and or spinach and just like tastes good. Mm-hmm. There's Salt just something and pepper. about like cooked spinach that mm. I just it turns me off. Wait, mm. so what is Caroline? Can you tell? Well, let's. Yeah. Now we'll get into Pitta and Kapha and you can tell me what you relate to. I think I'm a mix of two, but I think I'm Pitta. Okay. So Pitta is the fire dosha. So a fiery person, as we talked about, they are super feisty maybe. They're passionate. They're goal-oriented. They're driven. They're outspoken. They're natural-born leaders. What? I want to be that. I'm but on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side... They There's, can get really angry and snap at people. I do. And That's sometimes, also me. <laughs> sometimes, well, I think a lot of us in this society have this pitta okay. thing going yeah, on. But we they, also have been eating a lot of popcorn, so <laughs> you're all out of whack. <laughs> so they are hyper-organized. I don't know if you're organized. They like to be scheduled and mm. because for them, time is really important. Now, this is like a sheer pitta person. I'm just describing the pure archetype. So for them, they're really just like efficient with everything that they do. So they're the type of people like if you want to hang out with them, they're like, here's the Google Cal. See you in three months at 257. Like they're so specific (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they just like to be on top of things. But in life, things don't go our way. And when things don't go their way, they freak out. And sometimes it's like almost like rage comes out of them. They don't even know where it came from. And it's almost like it's not even theirs because in, in Ayurveda, it's believed that anger is and doesn't belong to a person. It's an energy that anyone can tap into. Mm. So for them, they can get really irritated. They can get inflamed. So in the body, an inflamed body is inflammation, rosacea, hives, rashes. If our digestion is a fire and someone's already really fiery, that fire is going to try to escape. It moves up and it tries to leave your skin in the form of acne. So Mm -hmm. acne, oily skin, these are always pitta issues. Okay. Yeah. I see you, Caroline. It's spot on. (laughs) It's really spot on. But on the good side in the body, pittas have really fast digestions. They're able to kind of eat whatever they want and they never have like a belly ache or a problem. They're like, they're always hungry. They really need to have their meals on time or they get hangry. And like, you don't want to be around a pitta who's like hungry because they're just going to like freak out at people. But when they're, <laughs> when they're fed, they're, they're good, they're structured, they get things done. But what they need to learn is more flow and more trust and more surrender because we can't control life. And once we realize that we're really taking the backseat to this higher force, then that's when pittas and everyone truly gets in their power. So in the body, it can look like also just redness. If someone has like redness on their face, redness in the hair, people who are born pitta, they have just tend to have red. So like Donald Trump is a good example of a very imbalanced pitta. Damn it. (laughs) So you can see he has a lot of inflammation. He's very us versus them, ego, I'm the best. He literally dyes his hair orange because he just wants to let us know he's a pitta. And we should all just send him like all the cooling herbs, all the (laughs) coconut oil. Really? Yeah. He's super pitta inflamed. But on the other side, Jennifer Lopez is a pitta. And she's like feisty. She gets things done. She's like killing it harder than ever. And she's in her 40s. And she's also like a Leo. Leo is very like pitta. I'm an Aries. Oh, my God. So most fire signs I find are pittas. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like fi- I feel fiery through and through. Yes. So they also tend to be the most athletic. For them, they gain muscle really easily. I don't know if that's the case for you. It's like it, they work out a few it. times and they're like, oh, my arms. Yeah. Sometimes the problem, especially for women, is they feel like they're getting too muscular and they're like, yes. I can't lift heavy weights. That's Caroline. Esther, you could actually pipe down now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love it. No, but it's it's true. They, my arms get so muscular. jacked. They get too jacked. Right. Like Madonna. She's so pitta. Yeah. You can yeah. see that. Jennifer Aniston is a pitta whereas for like i i'm vata kapha you're very vata like we can really try to get muscly it's just not going to happen for us okay so (laughs) most fitness models and stuff you see they're pitta so when we compare ourselves to them we are not the same dosha as them necessarily some people i meet them and they're like oh i'm going to train for this fitness thing and they like stop drinking soda for a week and they have like abs you know and yeah and it's just that's just how their bodies are like pittas in general tend to just hold on to muscle mass more easily Mm. so they're athletic they tend to have medium-sized structure and yeah they are the they're just kind of like the leaders the athletes the managers the ceos they really carry that energy Mm -hmm. so yeah jennifer lopez madonna and then kafas are the earthy dosha Mm. so if i talked like this hmm the whole interview and I just really stared in your eyes <sighs> that would be really cough of me mm. you know and when you guys are about to pitch you're like oh my god what do you want to say and you know those people who like they hug you for a really long time and when they talk it's really slow and it's in their bodies and they really really feel you it's know like sensual or something it's like it's like sensual it really it's like just this grounding like in la i call it like the seven minute hug you know when they like hug you for a little bit too long or oh, like the, the new age stare yeah, where they no. just like you're talking to them and you're done talking they're like mm, they're just staring at you you're like, they're like <laughs> taking my soul away yeah I feel like they're taking my soul like putting it through like their processing machine they read it i know it's uncomfortable but they don't realize they're doing it there's that's just how it is so kapha carries the energy of the earth so the earth is is the mother you know earth gives us resources oil water it gives us life and that's what kaphas are like they give to everyone around them they're like oh you need something here i got you they put everyone around them first Mm. but what happens is they oftentimes lack in their own self-care and their ability to speak up for themselves Mm. so kapha imbalances manifest in the throat chakra as I say that, my third talker's like, ugh. <laughs> but, um, but they basically have congestion, mucus, allergies. So all the problems I experienced as a kid were all kapha-related things. Just, you know, withdrawing from people, being really shy. But having a very kind heart, kaphas are the most loyal. They're the most patient. They're the most loving. Mm. Think of Oprah energy. Oprah is like the epitome of a kapha. She's like, you in a car, you in a car, everyone gets a car. Like, she loves to give. And she has this very kapha-like figure. So kaphas tend to hold on to emotions and how do we hold on to emotions as fat we literally deposit them on our body Mm. so when you are taking in all these emotions from all these other people and holding that energy for them you get stuck and stagnant so that's why kaphas have the hardest time losing weight and the easiest time gaining weight it's like you're eating the pasta and i'll be gaining the weight for you that's what it is to be a kapha. Mm. So I and my prakriti was born highest kapha. I'm a Capricorn, an earth sign. So for me, like that was obviously as a kid, I was overweight. So it's something that I forever, the rest of my life will always have to be more mindful of. But I ended up getting an imbalance in vata because I went too much the other way. Mm -hmm. So you can have an imbalance of another dosha, even though that's not the one you were born with. Mm -hmm. Can I I become, what are my options to eat popcorn? Kaffa. Yeah. Can I become kaffa? You can try. So to become more kaffa, it's it's really just like a grounded type energy. It, it moves much slower. It's you know kaffa is the energy of of joy and pleasure. I think of like Taurus energy. That's mm. like very very kaffa. So it's the grandmother, right? Or like even the mom. Like think of like our moms on Thanksgiving. They're like running yes. around and like preparing things for people, making sure everyone's okay. And then it's like time to take the family photo. They're like, oh, I don't want to be in the picture because I didn't shower and I didn't do my hair and I don't have makeup on because they've been too busy preparing dinner for everyone else. And that's because women were taught to be kaffas. In India, Mm -hmm. they say, always marry a kaffa. Why? Because she's going to put you first. Right. They don't want someone who's going to be super boss, goal-oriented. They don't want someone who's like, Vata, going to fly away. They want someone who's going to be like, honey, what do you need? I'm here for you. Yep. 
So women were taught yeah. to be kafas, and that's why so many women are overweight because they're taking on all these energies of other people. And when you take on other people's energy, you're going to, at 10 p.m. when everyone's asleep, go shove the chocolate in your face or go eat that ice cream because you don't, you weren't even able to process your own emotions. So kafas, they feel like if they speak their truth and they share what's going on with them, the world will crumble down. So they repress, they repress, they repress. All the words that they were not able to speak get stuck in their throats. They get mucus, phlegm, allergies, asthma, hypothyroidism, etc. So that's why for kaphas, what they really need is to stimulate. They need to get things moving. So a stimulating diet would be one with a lot of like spices in there, like ginger and cumin and warming spices to get things moving. And a stimulating lifestyle, like they should wake up and first thing in the morning, go to the gym, go to that cardio class, go to that class that may be intimidating for you. Because kaphas, when you're out of balance, don't like to exercise. They, they're, again, earthy, sedentary. They don't want to move, but they're the people who need it the most. So waking up first thing in the morning, exercising, sweating, getting things moving, eating foods that, that will lighten you up, not weigh you down. So staying away from excess carbs, dairy. If you think about dairy, it's literally cold and it's phlegmy and it's damp, which are all of the qualities of kapha, earth. So instead, we want to have more hot foods, light foods, stimulating foods. So, for example, steamed vegetables with like you know, different spices on there. And they don't want to eat excess fats and excess proteins. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'm, I'm ketogenic. That's going to cause a kapha to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Because kaphas hold onto oils so easily. Kaphas have the best skin because they're like, you could see my skin. That's because of my kapha prakriti. So kaphas tend to have the best skin. They tend to age the best. Um, also Beyonce's kapha, Kim Kardashian's kapha. Mm. Um, they mm. tend to have like round type faces, big eyes, full lips, almost baby-like features, thick hair. Um, but again, like all of them have like booties. Like they're not like skinny, scrawny people. So it's always like you kind of all the skinny girls are getting lip injections because they want to look more kapha and then the kaphas are trying to lose weight we're all trying to be the other doshas just instead of love just, your own dosha yeah, embrace it no <laughs> okay popcorn queen <laughs> so yeah so the kaphas really need to get things moving so really what you need to do if you're like I'm in between two doshas I don't know what to do bring bring out the one that you don't have so if you're kind of between a vata and a pitta you need more kapha more grounding maybe you need to like literally walk on the earth with bare feet and connect to earth maybe you just need to move slower throughout your day maybe you shouldn't multitask maybe you should just like breathe for five minutes before you eat something that will make you more grounded if you're pitta and kapha fire and earth maybe you need more vata maybe you need to just like go off and like do something on your own you need to paint you need to just like move quicker Mm. if you are vata and kapha the airy one and the earthy one then you need more fire and this is what i see the most common with like young women our age because most people these days they want to lose weight and they want to heal anxiety and that's vata in the mind and kapha in the body so that's the thing that i also found when studying ayurveda People were not the same in the mind and body. So on the quiz that I put on my website, I separated the results because you may relate to one mentally, another physically because you're out of balance. Hmm. So your body. So what happens is we're eating all of these like junk foods, fatty foods, et cetera. So we're getting overweight, but our minds were running a million miles an hour. So then we're Vata. Yeah. So how to treat that is get more fiery, take more action instead of thinking about things and dreaming about them, but sitting on your ass move towards your goals. And that's what's going to help you if you're Vata Kapha. What, this is just a selfish question, but what are the food do's and don'ts for pittas? Like how can I heal my crazy acne starting with the foods I eat? Mm -hmm. So for pittas, you need more cooling foods. So you want to avoid anything that's spicy. I don't know if you like spicy. Pittas love spicy foods. It sucks. I know I shouldn't eat. She loves spicy food. That's going to be the, because pittas love the fire. When you're out of balance, you're like, oh, heat. You know, my my boyfriend's the same way. He loves spicy foods. But what you need are like, in Ayurveda, they call it sattvic foods, like really like simple foods, just like roasted or steamed or grilled vegetables. And you can do like grains, for example, like quinoa or whatever grain you like. You can do chickpeas are really good for you. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a list in the book of like every food to eat and not to eat. Yes. The book goes through it into so much detail. Like that is true. But it's cold salad. But definitely. So in traditional Ayurveda, they don't recommend salads because, again, the whole 
in India, you can't eat them. I think pittas are okay with salads, especially if you live somewhere warm. Yeah. If you notice that you're super bloated after you eat salads, you're not digesting them. If you feel fine, you feel great, eat the salads. That's really good for you. Got you. Got and then you. like cilantro and different cooling herbs would be good. Mm. Coconut products. Coconut is super cooling, like coconut water, coconut oil, coconut butter. Like Lee loves coconut, you know, because she's so pitta. Her body needs the cooling. Yeah. For them, they could do better with higher fats because you're, you're just digesting and metabolizing food so much more efficiently, whereas if a coffee ate the same coconut butter, they'd be like, oh, they'd be like on the couch. Wow. Wow. I'm just like the spicy food thing. That's so spicy foods stay away so from. Real. Yeah. Anything that's OK. So this is like no one really knows about this, but onions and garlic. <laughs> onions and garlic are not recommended for especially for pittas, no! but anyone who's on a yogic path. And a yogic path means you are trying to basically achieve enlightenment or spiritual consciousness in this lifetime. Again, most people are not. But what onions and garlic do is they're, it's called rajasic and tamasic. Rajas means they create kind of like rage or energy in you. So when I read that, and then onions make you tired. It's called tamas. So when I read that, I was like, that doesn't make sense. That hasn't been proven by science. I don't believe it. So I actually started to research everything about it. It turns out when you eat garlic, you trigger a mini spasm in your esophagus. So when the ancient Vedas said it, it decreases your subtle vibration, they literally could see that it was triggering spasms in your esophagus. Because when you're doing that, your body is actually aggravated. So you're going to be more likely to snap, which pittas already do. And if you're on a yogic path and you're trying to be like the Buddha here, you definitely should not be doing that. So if you go to any ashram in India, they will not have onions and garlic in their food. Mm. And then again, onion is tamas. So it's really like earthy. So it can make you feel kind of like dull and tired. But if you are not a pitta and you're not on a yoga path, you can still eat onions and garlic. I just recommend we just become a little bit more mindful of it because we often don't realize that every single thing we cook is like throwing all the onions and garlic. There are Mm -hmm. alternatives like you could maybe use a fennel bulb like a fennel bulb and cut it like an onion and and use that. You can use different spices, like a really good one that they use in India. Most Indian foods you eat don't have onion and garlic. Mm. They use a spice called asafoetida. I can write it down for you guys. And it basically gives that like pungent like smell of the garlic without it lowering your vibration. Did you say vatas could have garlic? They So onion and garlic in Ayurveda were like treated like medicine. So you would swallow a garlic clove as like an antibiotic, but you would never cook with it because also cooking it um, decreases its nutritional value. So you, you could, um, but it's just something to be mindful of, you mm-hmm. know, like maybe if you're doing it every day, maybe have it every other day and just see how you feel. Like I recommend people just maybe not have it for a week and just see if you notice a difference in your how you feel. And then Caroline, just to confirm, Caroline gets no garlic. <laughs> I mean, you can you can have like it. That's not raw garlic. Like for a pitta, that's not going to be good because you, you feel heated when you have it and you need to have less heat. So you need like juicy fruits like that would be really good for you and like like celery and stuff like that. Yeah, that's Mm, good. That's cooling. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Well, at least I can have popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is now turning into a tit for tat of what (laughs) foods we can and can't eat. But it is really informative. And we are going to use it to hold over each other's heads, me and Esther, (laughs) and keep each other in check. That's what Ayurveda is for. I mean, (laughs) you've been speaking so much. You know so much about the topic. I feel like everyone listening is intrigued, alarmed, and running to go get this book so they can learn more about their own dosha. I mean, I am like, I, I, you are so full of knowledge. It's actually crazy. Oh, you. They can just take the quiz on my website too if they like want to know. Um, it's just IamSaharaRose.com. Yes. Um, and there's just a quiz right there and it will tell you in like 12 questions what your dosha in your mind is and what it is in your body. And it's the only quiz that separates that. And I just think it's really good to know. So if you're confused, treat your diet for the one you have in your body Mm. so if your body's kapha follow the kapha diet and then treat your lifestyle like meditation and and lifestyle practices in your mind Mm -hmm. and then we i don't think we have time to go into this but like oil pulling tongue scraping dry brushing all of these practices that are like super trending right now they're all ayurvedic practices so all of these things are also going to help ground your body and balance all three doshas Fuck! Ugh, I've got wow. so much to do. I can't wait to read this book. Like, I'm going to be doing this all weekend. I know. I'm going to go through the recipes and go to the grocery store tomorrow and just, you know, like, get my pitta in balance. Make yeah. my pitta on fleek. 
Yeah, I'll send you my my cookbook. It's coming out in October. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. Well, I... I really hope that you will come back because I feel like we have yes. so much more to learn from you. For sure. I mean, this has been so wildly informative. Wildly informative. Uh, unspeakably. <laughs> inconsequentially. Uh, unthinkable. Unthinkably informative. <gasps> you're you're amazing. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. Oh, I thank mean, you so we're much also me. lucky to have learned from you today and i'm just also so excited to dive into your instagram and your website yes where can we find you on social media um it's just at i am sahara rose sahara like the desert and that's the same for my website and on my instagram i always have like little um ayurveda tips what to do what not to do so it's just like a good reminder for your everyday you know i'm gonna be following the shit out of that i know Thank you so much. Thank you, Sahara. You're amazing. Thank you, guys. What a blessing. And Mm -hmm. we will see you guys next week. (laughs) Bye. It's a good show.